Welcome to episode 61 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of HO Scale Customs. Um, this week we got a really cool guest, guys. Uh, my dad and I are both very excited. Before we start our interview, we want to thank our one new patron this week we, who will remain unnamed and you know who you are. Thank you very much for becoming a new patron to our show. Uh, we did do our patron questions of the week this week. They are kind of sprinkled in throughout the interview because uh, it was we put them up a little late for asking for it. Um, but anyways, we did get our Patreon questions in. So if you guys want to become a patron of the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash HO scale customs and you'll get access to some really cool stuff and you'll be able to put some questions into the show like our patrons did this week. Also, this weekend, we're going to be starting um, a new piece of content that we're going to be working with because of our patrons we're going to be getting some uh different types of products different scenery you know you name it a whole bunch of different things that are new uh things that we want to try and reviewing them showing you guys how we work with them and um doing product reviews like we used to do but um a lot more of them and a lot better products so that's all being uh supported by our patrons and uh they have some input on what we're going to be reviewing and we're going to be picking up some new stuff as it comes out uh, to review with you guys. So that's new kits, new products, new paint stuff, new scenery things, uh, everything, you name it, anything with modeling, we're going to be working with it. So if you want to become a part of that, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash HO scale customs. But you're sick of hearing about that. Let's go into our interview. And we've been trying to, I think we've been trying to get you on for a little while, but um. We finally got you on the show. In, in so, November, we it, talked about getting right, him, right. Him at the expo. So I want to welcome uh, Vilas Vasalis on the show. Hopefully, I did not mess your name uh, up. I know we just went over this. You did, you did. Vilas. Vilas. Vilas Vilas. Vilas 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 I got it. Yes. All right, we will get it before well, the end. It's of not the first time, so you know. Before the end of the show, we will get it right. I promise you. Okay. Uh, so right. we, you, we, my dad met you at the show. You have a blog, uh, blogspot.com. Um, yes, I do. It is uh, Velas's scale modeling endeavors. We also have. You also just started your Facebook page, which is uh, Velas's workbench chronicle. So we'll throw yeah. the links to that in the show description if anyone's interested in checking them out and giving you a like on your new Facebook page. Uh, it's cool. It's worth checking out. So my dad talked with you a bunch at the expo. I'm going to kind of let you two lead it off, and then I'll come back yeah. in a little later with some questions of our own. Um, right. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. All right. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm sorry we, if we butchered the name up a little bit. We, we It took us a month and a half to get Cruisewick down for Dave Cruisewick. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, a, we're all, we're all slow with names. Okay. So, uh, Vilas, the, um, uh, when I met you at the expo at the, uh, up in Al Albany, New York back in November, yeah. and, um, you were doing, um, a clinic there, uh, for, um, the expo itself. We were one of the clinicians and, um, you were doing, uh, your clinic was, I believe on, painting fine uh you know the small detail parts that type of thing right yes it was uh painting and weathering uh detail parts yes okay and that's perfect for us right now and that's you know that's what we'll get to here a little later on um right. but but um 
it's something that our our listeners and um, some of the people on our Facebook page too have been uh, asking us to give them you know more information on doing that. And of course, we've we've done many a parts ourselves, but we we like having the guy that knows how to teach it, and you know, and and he your 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 parts and all your builds and stuff are just uh, gorgeous. And so um, mm, I you. would. Um, so what better person to have on when they're right about the time these guys are all asking it to have the guy that taught it at the expo. So, um, now, but before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit, a bit about who Velas is. How did you get started in model railroading? I mean, what, when did you get doing, you know, the regular, is it model railroading or are you just like doing the, the builds? Um, when did you get started? Okay, well, um, I would say probably it wasn't the real modeling at the time, but, uh, you know, I probably started at the age of maybe five or something. Oh, my. Um, (laughs) Well, I wasn't really building stuff at that uh, time, but, you know, I found some magazines um, with um, uh, airplane reviews, and I thought it would be cool to cut them out and, you know, play, later play with them. So, you know, I stole the scissors and, uh, you know, <laughs> made this, myself a fleet of airplanes. And then I found a package of some kind of shampoo and there was a cat on top of it. So I cut that out and made the, you know, flight controller. Yeah. So that's, you know, earliest memory I have of doing something. Um more real modeling uh, started like in probably fourth grade. I joined this uh, youth club, but uh, it wasn't uh, train modeling or anything like this. We built uh, free flight airplanes Oh wow! at that time. Um, and then about in the sixth grade, we got a new classmate who was into scale paper models. There used to be this one Polish publication um, you, that you could subscribe to, and you would get this book basically uh, with flat patterns, mm-hmm. and you cut them out and build something like an airplane, a boat. Uh, they had rockets, um, tanks, and things like that. Right. So I got into that for a little bit, and then, well, the trains actually were like more like in the background all this time. It's a uh, was a, uh, you know. Uh, transportation for us uh we would go to visit some relatives on go on a train and then you know i used to go with my grandfather like just to watch the trains go to the train station there was an overpass and would get on an overpass and watch the trains go past (laughs) and at one point i even saw a steam locomotive and i was really impressed you know we stood on this overpass and it blew the well, I'm not sure if it was running on coal at that time. It was probably modified, but it blew some steam over us, so it was cool, you know, so I was hooked. And then, and I had, um, at first I got one set, uh, well, it was just going in the circle. It had a sectional track, um, I believe some kind of um, German steam locomotive. Uh, probably some switcher of some sort. And then later, um, for Christmas, I got another one that was uh, more like oval. Um, and it had an electric locomotive and few cars. 
Nice. But I always wanted a, one with a turnout, but it was more expensive, and my parents didn't get me one. So, you know, um, but right. I used to play a little bit with the trains, but, you know, when you don't have any information how to make a layout or no materials, no nothing like this, you know, it's hard to get into model railroading. Um, although, I, you know, I had some ideas, but which never, re I mean, materialized how to do this. So I pretty much abandoned the trains for time being. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, people say they have, um, you know, they drop all modeling and, you know, you know, get into girls and automobiles. Yep, we um, all did that. You know, yeah, for me, it was basically girls and the gliders. Because automobile also was not an option, pretty much. I could, you know, couldn't have a driver's license until I was 18, right. and then getting your own car was not pretty much possible. So, you know, but I could go to gliding school and, you know, fly gliders. Right. Um, that was the cool part. And that when I started gliding, you know, I dropped all modeling altogether for periods of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then rediscovered again the paper models, like around '95, '96. Right. And uh, you know, bought one. I was living in this small room, and it was my wife and uh, older son at that time. And I would go home, and you know, after work, and like there's nothing to do in this small room, you know. So sure. thought, well, it's cool. I'm gonna build something while. We were all watching TV or something like that. So I got into that. Right. Um, and then in 98, we moved to the United States. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like Model Railroader magazine. I would see it sometimes at the store, you know, look through it and was like, cool. But I think they were running this idea at that time that your layout is supposed to be, or beginner's layout is supposed to be four by eight. And I looked at it. I couldn't fit one in the, my apartment. It was too small for it. So I forgot about it for a while. <clears throat> and about, I think it's 2007, I was kind of started thinking, well, I mean, <clears throat> for these, sorry, for the paper models I built, I would like to do some kind of diorama to put some in some setting, you know, so make it more interesting. Right. And I stood, started looking around online, and it was like, well, it seems like model railroaders know more about all the scenery that I'm interested in. And somehow I got came across um, back in the day, it was CSS podcast with uh, Doug Foscali, uh, Jimmy Degnan, Scott right. Mason, and um, uh, Dave Frary. Yeah. Sure. And they were talking about some kind of craftsman kits. And I was like, what is it? You know, I started looking and I realized, well, they're made of wood. And I like working with wood. I never liked the plastic. I was right. like, I built a few plastic kits, but it never really worked for me. And I got hooked like, well, it's, a, you know, I can work with wood. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Scott got a sticker shock uh, at first, <laughs> and then uh, got brave enough, you know, spend the money on some kit which I thought might ruin, you know, right, and right. never build. <laughs> so I got Bar Mills um, Wicked Wonders kit. Oh. Yeah. So uh, that was my. That yeah. 
Yeah, I heard that on your podcast, Brett. Yeah. Yeah, so building one. Yeah, I'm I'm in the yeah. middle of a couple kits, and uh, that's the next up on deck for me. So that was your first craftsman kit. The first one I actually started, but probably wasn't the first I finished. Okay. Um, at that time, I think Doug, Doug used to run these contests. Mm-hmm. So you buy a kit for like like he does now by spend fifty dollars and you get a free kit. Sure. But he used to run a contest where you could win like fifty dollars gift certificate, you know. So. Oh yes, I've won one of those. <laughs> you won though. Yeah, he did one right. on Instagram about three years ago, and and uh, I won one of those. So yeah, I'm very familiar oh. with this contest. Yep. Yeah. So well, I, I mean, I bought this, you know, one of the, his kit, which is still sitting on a shelf, and it's free kit, and um, I. I, I was under back in time uh, back then I was under this German influence more like mm-hmm. I still like the German style of what building stations depots and such right. so I turned it into um uh, what was that Hans and Greta's uh uh yeah the house of Hans and Greta was Greta well not the house of Greta uh of Hans and Greta but it's a pub pretty much German pub. Okay. Made made a you know this timber kind of yeah. uh, frame building. Well, European you know, style looking, roof. Yeah, some. Well, I didn't change the roof line or anything. Didn't mm-hmm. just made it red, so it kind of resembles a little bit this tile okay. type of roof. But it was tar paper, red tar paper. So made this cool. entered the contest. Uh, I think I took the last place, though. <laughs> so, um, but that was the first one I actually finished. And then, you know, I put it on eBay just to see if it sells. Uh, I didn't ask too much, but it sold. So I got hooked on this part, on selling my finished kit, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, and then I sold that, and then I came up with this idea i said well what if i put on ebay that uh, and make an auction that i can build some you know as a service i can build a kit mm-hmm. and my idea was to get some kind of sponsor someone pays for a kit i build it right. you know send it back so it's kind of i don't have to pay for a kit right yeah so i did that um uh, got two sponsors out of it so and then I spent like two or three years building the kits for him, you know. So they would send me most of the time. These were a bar mills kit. Sure. Um, you Which know, are great and kits then too, man. yeah, there are, and uh, you know, and started accumulating my own, you know. So mm-hmm. eventually, I have a, you know, I have this quite a big collection of kits, which probably I'm not going to be able to build in this lifetime. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting to understand that, Toby. We didn't used to be that way, but it's starting, right now it's starting to They're pile, starting up, to pile up a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I understand yeah. that, you know? Well, I mean, it's uh, my another hobby, let's say, um, keeping track of uh, prices and everything on eBay. Uh-huh. So I start my day with going over, you know, all the listings of Krasnick kits I'm interested in. Yeah. 
<laughs> and saving in my watch list. And uh-huh. when the auction ends, I record, um, you know, how much did it sell for and all that information. Sure. And lately I wrote a script which basically gathers that information automatically mm-hmm. so I don't have to spend that much time recording it. Oh, you know, smart. puts in the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and then I started like, well, if the kid sells for less, much Mm -hmm. less than, you know, usually, Mm -hmm. then I bid on it. And sometimes I win, sometimes somebody outbids me, but (laughs) I always try to get the lowest price. You know, that's another hobby of mine. (laughs) Yeah. Now, on your your builds and stuff, do you you currently build and sell them uh, now? I mean, finished kits? You still do that? Um, I have one sponsor, um, so I built the kit for him. And I call them sponsors just because they're not paying enough for the builds, you know. <laughs> so they're paying some, but, you know, it's not right. nearly, you know, what it should be. Sure. Uh, so I call them – I don't call them clients because – and, you know, I can't call, can't call them my friends. Um, yeah. So I found this word sponsor and i'm thinking well that fits kind of so uh well they pay for the kids sometimes i mean i have one at the moment uh and he either buys those kids himself or just and what i like when he asked me to build something from my collection then you know and my prices are you know for for the kids are usually better than what's on ebay current price so you know So, uh, yeah, I built for him, um, and I built these big ones. And then <laughs> I built something for myself, and I I wouldn't recommend doing this, but I do this uh, during a lunch break. So <laughs> at my work, they all think I'm crazy, and they leave me alone. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool that you do that at your, your lunch break. I thought, I thought See, about it. How finding time during my lunch break to do that, but I, I'm afraid my workers would tease the hell out of me. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, I was wasting all that hour anyway. You know, um, I don't really. I mean, I had I said I have set a certain rule at work that I go to eat with my coworkers only on the 13th of the month. <laughs> so it's like, you know, they don't drag me all the time. Oh, let's go eat, let's go eat, you know. So, right, right. <laughs> you know, that's one day. It's a kind of like a celebration. We go all together and eat. But other days, they just leave me alone. They don't ask me. And if I don't go out to eat, like, what, uh, search for something on the Internet, I mean, right. it's, I don't know, waste time. <laughs> So I thought, well, I mean, I can build something and make something useful out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I usually have one project going on at home and then another project that I do at work. And since right. at work, I cannot do a lot of mess. So I do uh, simple things like glue things together um, with white glue or whatever I'm using, canopy glue. Sure. You know, and all nasty stuff, uh, you know, I do at home. Mm-hmm. You know, spraying and oh, yeah, epoxy yeah. stuff, and you know, yeah, but the smaller, the smaller, things. the smaller part projects within the kit. I mean, that's something you can yeah. take with you and do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to build like at the hotels too. You know, uh, my both sons used to play soccer. Mm-hmm. Although when my older one played, 
I uh, wasn't into craftsman kids yet, so I uh, didn't do anything uh, right. while traveling with him. But with the younger one, we used to go like to tournaments around the area. Sure. So, you know, spend a couple of nights at the hotel. Oh, uh, yeah. So I would take something with me and then sit there and build it. Of course, for a cleaning crew, it was a mess to clean up for me. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> oh, man, that's funny. We, they're, no. probably, they're probably yeah. one, they're wondering what happened in that hotel room. There's scraps of wood and paper everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, of all the kits you built, uh, which which one do you think you had you enjoyed the most? Um, I would say the the number one is uh, 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 fine scale miniatures uh, Skinner's Row. Oh that's yeah! My, oh yeah! That's a crazy one. Uh, All time favorite kit. I mean, it's like I thought. Well, after I build it, and then you know I'll find another favorite of mine. Uh huh. But uh, I mean, it's still, you know, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking I might even be able to build another one. Um, <laughs> I usually don't want to do doubles because right. well, sure. where the fun is in that. Yeah, exactly. Although I have done, I've done two doubles, right. but really not very interested but yeah. i mean skinner's row it's something you know uh, it's, a, it's a cool kid it's a cool kid it, it is yeah it is cool that, that one's cool i have i have baxter's building supply up here staring at me right now that i haven't even cracked yet yeah. and i'm going to this this year i have yet to build an fsm kit um i i am dying to brett has one that's pretty <clears throat> well, my, mine's too. a builders and scale yeah, and yours is which one? That's a assassin. Assassin vinegar. vinegar works. But um, you know, we want to get to them. I just I got so many little projects ahead of us. Yeah, for me, and I, I for have me, gonna bust for it me open. It's the, not gonna just sit here. For me, with a kit like that, um, yeah, you know, and you were probably the same way when you worked on it. I, I want to make sure everything else is cleared off my bench because I don't want I want to be completely focused on that one. I don't want to have a bunch of mini projects projects going on at the same time. And, yeah. uh, you know, A, I, it's already a big enough and, and kind of a, a task on its own to just do that one. I don't want to have multiple things going on at once. Yeah, yeah, that's how I feel too. Now, now well, Bila, it's oh, not sorry. me though. <laughs> it's no. not me though. I have multiple <laughs> little projects going yeah. on. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I get distracted. Well, when you're, one of the things that you have, Vilas, is, is you have, this really cool blog and i found it a bunch of years ago um i found the found your blog i was working on a uh a fosco model kits that was yeah. uh and, and it was a huge help you you write up uh, for everybody out there go go to our uh, website look up this we're gonna have a write-up for this art for this uh um it'll be in the show notes it'll be in our show notes It'll have a link to that blog, and you need to go check it out. There's countless articles in there. I mean, countless. You got to really dig, dig back far. He's he's very vigilant about keeping up on his blog more so than we are, and um, and, and giving you insight. Uh, Bill, uh, you do you actually do you know a whole write up of your builds in sections and in steps. And there might be several different parts of a build. 
it's very, very concise. And it's very, very well written and easy to understand how you write it to describe what you do, what you build. There's tips and tricks. And you are a you are a teacher in in this in this hobby that has helped a lot of people, including me, on many kids. So it but one of the things I found on your on your on your blog and um, that I when I was at the time when I found you, um, it I was working on Ideal Hosiery by Fosco Models, mm-hmm. and um, you had a whole write up on it, and you did it in several steps, and it was it was huge because I wanted to try, I it, I wanted to try and make it look a lot like Doug's, which is what you did, and I, I a lot of the models that I've built. I tend to, including the last one I just did, this this uh, apartment complex, this uh, Cameron Street Apartments. From, uh, I, 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 I tend to, I build them like they're supposed to, but then I always alter a bunch of stuff. And I didn't want to do that with this one. and But I wanted to make it look a lot like Doug's, but I wasn't sure how he got some of his, his um, you know, the way, you know, Doug's a great modeler. We know how he is. And and yeah. uh, I wanted yeah. to try and make it look like that because it was something that I knew it would fit our city, and you had an article on it, and it, on that on that ideal hosiery that made it exactly like Doug built it. I mean, there were some slight variances to it, but it was it was built to spec, and it was like, oh, this is perfect. But not only that, you you explained every part of it and how you went about it, and and you know. And, and you, the the photography on that you supplied for it was huge for me as well. Especially that one side wall where you have the uh, it takes up the whole the whole wall with um oh, what the heck yeah is the the whole wall and, sign yeah the whole wall sign and you faded it and I was like oh I gotta do that I gotta do that and and you know and your photography for it was great and I actually pulled it off and but I wouldn't have been able to do that had it not been for your for your blog. And uh, it turned out to be an awesome model. Um, but the blog is just full of stuff. And so how long have you been doing the blog itself? I've been doing the blog since 2011, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, to begin with, it wasn't that, you know, uh, unselfish beginning of it. <laughs> uh, again, I was trying to get the sponsors more like it at that time, just to display my stuff and get somebody. Actually, right. the current one I, I got through uh, probably the blog as well. Um, well, at least blog helped in yeah. some way, you know. So, mm-hmm. but I think he tried buying. Uh, what was that? I think uh, Ideal Hosiery was the one he thought of buying. Okay. Um, bidding on eBay, mm-hmm. and I always include, you know, link to my blog. So he got on it and then contacted me, and he asked me about the thickness of a um, vase, and he's very particular about it. He wants everything to be like half an inch, so he mm-hmm. can cut the hole in his layout and just drop it in. Sure. So, and mine was, I think it was on built on one inch thick, base Mm -hmm. so i told him well well you can cut it down to you know half an inch but he was scared of doing this so (laughs) you know he abandoned the idea of you know bidding on it but he said could you make some for me so yes uh i said okay i can do it 
but the beginnings weren't like, well, I'm going to help the community. It was like, oh, I'll do it for myself. But then, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe I should post some tips as well, put this and that, write more about it. And as it's, time it's... went, it became something a little bit different. But, you know. And, and that's what you did. You, you, you helped the community. I mean, you helped me, obviously, um, and, you know, for my story. But, but you know, it, and when other people check this out, they're going to understand. You, you, you hold the same concept now that what we try and drive here at HSCO Customs and with the, with the Benchtime podcast is we're just trying to get everybody in, get them, you know, get people building, you know, learning. There's no secret or tip that can't be shared. I mean, we all learn from each other. Like you were saying, you, yeah. listened, you used to listen to Scotty Mason and, and Doug and Jimmy in their podcast when they did that. I mean, these are, we've, you know, you obviously did that and you learned from them. Um, I did the same. And, and, you know, I think we all have, I know Brett has. Yep. And I think that's the whole purpose is, you know, we're doing a build now. We're doing a live build thing where we're trying to get a lot of beginners to come in and they're doing a, a, a fairly, um, it's a cool kit, but it's a very easy kit to put together and we're doing it live during the week and it will, it'll go a couple weeks yet and then we'll wrap it up. But, but you know, our objective was to try and draw new people into the hobby, teach them some of the basics that we know and what we can help them out with and, and, and let them go from there and see if they can get them hooked. And that's what, that's what your blog does, man. I mean, um, when I when I read it, it became so simple and easy to do uh, to 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 understand. Um, yeah. Oh well, uh, thanks. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, you know, if it at least helped one person, I'm I'm glad. You know, <laughs> um, I'm just hoping maybe it helped a few more. But uh, well, well, you know, yeah. I've got some people writing me sometimes. You yeah. know, you know, com putting comments, but. Usually, not many people comment um, on the yeah. blog itself. I think it's about to change. It's kind of... Well, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the I have a yeah. feeling you're going to see some traffic here. I think the but, I uh, think the one thing that um and I I'll 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 kind of agree with with him on this point is the one thing that's kind of it almost seems like it's thankless at times. Yeah. Um, but I do know that with a site like yours and a site like ours. For every one comment you get where someone says, hey, that was pretty helpful and that worked out and, I, you know, I learned from this, there's probably 10 or 20 other people that actually did learn from it that just didn't comment or they didn't say anything. Um, so I, I I noticed once we started to talk to more and more people as we learned and met more people in the hobby, uh, it, it was like that. So it seems like you're kind of in the dark just writing your stuff and then, uh, you know, it usually there's – for everyone does come forward and say, Hey, that helped out a lot. There's usually a few more that just never said anything. Hey, you drink, are you drinking a beer yeah. over there? Vilas, you drinking any beers tonight? No, <laughs> no, I actually, uh, have this rule. I don't drink beer on the weekdays. Uh, okay. Only, only on the weekends. I mean, Friday I night included either. in the weekend. I don't either. Like this is it's a <laughs> it's just our uh, for our podcast, yeah, right? Yeah. Podcast it's night. For the podcast. So what what kind of what kind of beer do you like? We were going to talk about this yeah. briefly. I heard you're a beer well, guy. Yeah, 
I like uh, Belgians. Um, oh, I like Belgians. I mean, you know, especially saisons, which, you know, kind of funky and interesting. I don't like sours. I mean, the, there's a bunch of sour saisons nowadays. Yeah. Right. But uh, I don't like, I'm more like traditional farmhouse ales. Okay. You know, something like this. And the other Belgians, you know, work for me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as IPA, you know, traditional ones, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, I'm not a big fan of IPAs. Traditional IPAs, oh, what they okay. call yeah, West Coast. Now you have East Coast, and right. which probably they call tropicals nowadays. Right. You know, um, those are, you know, those are like, um, there is a new one. I mean, they say it's a new trend, and I saw him the, at Brute IPA. Mm-hmm. I saw it at yeah. the store. And I thought some kind of wine-based stuff or something, and I didn't buy. And I learned just today, this is simply IPA with low bitterness, but uh, you know, intense hop alo- uh, aroma. Uh-huh. Huh. So I, I have to try now this. I mean, New Belgium, I saw I had one, so oh. I have to try this because I like this hop-forward beers, right. but not that. Bitterness itself, it's yeah. more like you know flavors and aromas of it. Right. I just I yeah. just downed a Dogfish Head, sixty minute IPA, which is that one is in a ninety minute has become one of my favorites um, as of current. And um, I oh, I do like IPAs, but I like a Belgian as well. But there's a lot of there's a lot of trendy Belgians that are coming out now that I noticed yeah. too. Um, what's that one? It's a white. Oh, it's it's actually made by Dogfish Head. Um, it's the Namaste White Belgium, and um, that one's not too bad. Although a lot, there's a lot of trendy ones coming out. So, well, but. basically, we have a you know um, brewery that specializes in Belgian beers, just in our backyard, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Although they are building or moving into a new facility which is uh 15 minutes away right um so but they built this restaurant where they sell their beer uh, well pub more like it you know and it's always crowded every time we go to this little town we live nearby you know it's always crowded um you know and they they have all but they not only make um uh, you know belgians but they specialize in belgian beers right so it's kind of nice very now, cool. But as far as well, my favorite beers are, is the ones I make. So. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, you make beer too, right? Yes, I do. Um, and that's uh, another hobby of mine. I kind of had to slow down a little bit <laughs> because you know uh, I used up all bottles and there were just like <laughs> nowhere to put it. So. Right. You know, so I have to now kind of do it one every four weeks or so. Yeah. You know, instead of like cranking it up like it was last year, I was doing it like every two weeks, <laughs> probably double batch or something oh, like this. Yeah, well, I'm a, not making those big ones. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it is art form. Um, I mean, I'm not making the big batches like people usually do. They do five gallons and you yeah. end up with 48 bottles. And if you mess up, what you're going to do with it? Or if you don't like it, you know, I do one-gallon batches. 
which right. makes nine bottles of beer, you know, so it's not bad. You can't tell we like our beer, but, uh, <laughs> um, now, now, um, when we go to the next expo, when we're at the next expo, I, I don't know why we didn't last time. I don't know why we didn't meet up there at the Hilton lobby and have some beers together. Um, because Dave Criswick is up there and we were putting some beers down and, uh, you should have came up and joined us next time we were at the expo. You're going to have to join us at the, at the, uh, for, okay. for a couple of beers. Will. <laughs> I will join. See, the thing with this expo was I was supposed to do this clinic, and that was the first time I did something like this. Right. So instead of drinking beers downstairs, I was in my room rehearsing, you know. So. <laughs> that was your first. And that... I spent. I was going to say. Oh, we with... Yeah, that was we my. You up for that. that was your first in person yeah. clinic? Yeah, that was my first clinic I did. So I was, you know, walking back and forth in my room and just talking to myself, you know. (laughs) And it didn't turn anything like it, like (laughs) I thought it was going to be. So it was different. Yeah. You know. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy doing the clinic? Yeah, it it was fun. I mean, uh, I had one lady sleeping and then (laughs) through an entire clinic. Well, that's only what I noticed, you know, if you know Mark Panzera, um, uh, I saw him leaving my clinic, so I have gave him a hard time afterwards, <laughs> you know, I'll be for doing that. You. Did you go to the Altoona, to the clinic, did you go to the Altoona Expo? No, I didn't. Actually, I was supposed to do a clinic there first yeah. time, mm-hmm. but then somehow I fell through the cracks. Okay. And then Doug contacted me like, you know, almost two weeks or about two weeks before the expo and said, well, we don't see your, uh, you know, um, yeah. your registration or anything like this. So are you coming? And I, I, by that time, I canceled my, you know, hotel and everything because right. I thought, well, I wasn't going to go. But then I thought, well, if I do this cleaning, yeah, I'll go. But then they didn't invite me afterwards. Right. So, and I didn't push, didn't ask really. Oh, I mean, I asked, I think, one time, but, yeah. you know, like, didn't get an answer. So I thought, <laughs> well, maybe I don't, I'm not needed. I saw the, you know, schedule and list of clinicians, and I wasn't there. Right. So eventually, you know, in the, that year, I had really hard time with the vacation. Mm-hmm. My brother was here, and we spent two weeks, you know, and that was, like, really coming short right so i thought well the, i take those two days and save them uh-huh. you know so i canceled hotel i didn't go to alatuna <laughs> um you know yeah that's what happened so yeah. i got invited well, second time yeah well i'll tell you i mean the the clinics themselves i mean i i, I was popping in and out of clinics including yours um and just kind of taking pictures or running in and, and kind of checking out what I could and slipping out because I wanted to run back. I, I needed to man our, man our table because Brett was not there. Um, and, yeah. uh, well, he was doing, he was doing a, uh, his, his, uh, hundred mile marathon run or whatever it was. And, um, yeah. And, and, and so I, but I did check out like a couple of minutes here and there when I could. And man, it was, it was great stuff. I mean, and, and you're good at explaining everything. You're, 
your detail castings are awesome, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk Thanks. to you about tonight. So let's get into that a little bit since we're there. Okay. Um, you know, right. when, what, Brett, do we have questions from the listeners? We do. Uh, we have two questions. Let's, let's start I put with them... the questions and kind of roll from that. So uh, if you've listened to our podcast, I'm sure, so you're aware that we do uh, yeah. we do some questions from our patrons. This week we have uh, – come on. Uh, we only have two, but I it's my fault, guys. You, Our patrons can roast me a little later. I put it up late. Uh, right. So they can get on – they can harass me about that a little later. But um, Dan Pugach was asking to uh, tell us a little bit more about like the first detail part that you remember making, uh, and that might be might have been the one the first one you remember that you were getting hooked on that just you were th- you know uh, just hooked you into the whole uh, concept of painting these small detail parts. Um, well, I don't remember which ones. Um, hooked me into it, but I remember the first ones I did, and I did pretty good, good job uh, as far as I remember, and I have a picture. I even showed it at the uh, clinic. Um, these were castings, like two, you know, barrels from Bar Mills kit, and I spent probably nearly two hours or so on them. Mm-hmm just painting detailing them and afterwards i thought well this thing is not sustainable i cannot do this (laughs) uh you know i have to invent come up with something or find other ways of doing it because two hours on two barrels for some barrels yeah just you know yeah, I mean, if you open up FSM kit, it's just like your, tons uh, of casting, especially the older ones. The return you on know, your the return you on your, like this. The return on your time for them would be would take you forever to get a single kit done. Yeah, but those barrels are very memorable. I mean, I think I did a great job on them, uh, doing it for the first time, but they they got stuck in my head. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, real quick before we before we take another question, you mentioned barrels, and and I've done many castings, but there's a couple I struggle with, and yeah. uh, I, I have some that turn turn out great. I'm I'm pretty good with crates; they're pretty easy. Okay, I, but the but the steak barrel, the steak barrel barrels, the wooden steak barrels with the with the mm-hmm. bands around them, I am awful. Yeah with those things <laughs> i mean no matter what it just never turned out for me i don't have to i don't know if it's uh, is there a trick to it how do you do a, a steak barrel barrel uh, well i mean i first i start like i do all wood basically all all castings that represent wood okay. you know i just take a um, can of uh, rust-oleum khaki uh-huh. uh you know spray paint and well, I mean, I prepare the castings, clean them up, toss them into rubbing alcohol, let them sit for like 20 minutes or so, or sometimes for days if I, you know, uh, don't get around spraying them. But then, you know, take them out, let them dry, and then stick to this blue tape. You know, just I have these uh, cardboard pieces from, you know, uh, mail packages. I cut the strips and. They're just a little bit wider than the 
what is it now, 1.4 inch blue tape, um, okay. masking tape. I stick that, stick the castings on it, and go outside and spray them. Uh, I used to spray with the automotive primer, mm -hmm. but it's, for some reason, sometimes it starts acting up and gives you this orange peel look. Oh. And I try looking up online, and they say, like, possibly humidity. Okay. Um, is the reason um well i couldn't figure out why and when it does it sometimes it just goes and does it and pretty much ruins the casting so then you have to get the mineral spirits and wash them and uh, all yeah. that mess uh yeah. so i switched to you know rust-oleum khaki camouflage khaki paint mm -hmm. and it failed me once over the years did this orange thing um peel thing again but but that just once without automotive primer it would just happen you know very often right um then after i you know i paint spray paint them um usually i mean both sides i guess um as i told on uh, during my cleaning i have a CDO, which is OCD in alphabetical order. Um, so it's spraying, you know, all sides, even the bottom of a barrel. Right. Um, and the thing is, like, well, I probably if I stick it down, you know, upside, I mean, like it's supposed to go vertically, then nobody sees the bottom. But, you know, maybe sometimes you want to put the barrel on the side anyway. Right. So I just, right. sure. you know, I don't decide ahead of time what I'm going to do with it, how it's going to go. So I sprint up, I mean, everything, and then, and then you have the even the bottom. Way. Yeah. So I do this and then uh, after it cures, you know, at least until the next day or so, I take, um, I have gamelin dry pigments, raw umber, right. I brush that on, and then um, take a, probably the same uh, paintbrush and dab uh, rubbing alcohol on it, and leave it to dry, I mean, probably until the next day. Um, I'm not in the rush when I'm doing these things, you know, I have other things to do uh, to build. So next day I come and take Vallejo, um, Flesh, fresh, flesh. What is that? The name of it? Let me find it. Okay, flat fre flesh. It's not a seven zero nine five five. The number of it. Okay. And I dry brush it. Um, all that, all these castings that represent wood. So I got this. Let's say for the barrel, uh, I got this wooden color, right? Mm -hmm. Now, then I do the bands. Now, the bands, if they're wider, there's some castings that have them sticking out a little bit. So I take Vallejo paints and squeeze like two of them. Uh, one of them is light rust, another is dark rust. Okay. Kind of mix them together a little bit, you know, have different variations of the color. Sure. It probably doesn't matter that much, but <laughs> I mean, uh, they're bands. Sure. I mean, <clears throat> but I do this and paint the bands if the bands are narrow um or they flat I had the problem. I had the well, problem because they're then, narrow. <laughs> then I cheat. Then I cheat, I take a sharpie. Okay. Fine point sharpie. Brown one. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it just says fine brown. Sure. And I use that to paint those bands. Oh. Right? Yeah, that's a good so, idea. Yeah. So I use this, and then um, I let it dry. Vallejo is, you know, it. I don't know. It, to me, it never dries all the way. I mean, yeah. you get a little bit of rubbing alcohol on it, and it comes off, mm-hmm. it seems like. Yep. Uh, maybe I'm doing something wrong. I'm not sure. But, you know, so I, I still wait for a day because the next step I use AK Interactive stuff, and I don't want to attack this Vallejo paint and get all this, you know, removed or mm-hmm. messed up. Right. So I use uh, usually, um, uh, what is that, light rust wash, okay. en- enamel wash, AK Interactive. Um, or, I mean, at some point, for something happened to my, you know, wash, it kind of all gummed up. So I was just using regular oil um, paint mixed with turpentine, which is non-smelly version of uh, turpentine, I think, or even mineral spirit. You make a wash and then, you know, let it run a little bit. It makes, creates this bleeding rust around the bends. Oh, nice. And then let it dry. And then next thing I do, uh, I have this uh, metal pigment from AK Interactive. Mm -hmm. Although you can say it's just a pencil lead, pretty much. But it's already ground, so, you know, it's just dark steel on it. Dark steel pigment. So I go and, well, whatever I have, I have a you know, small brush, sometimes I use, I have these, I, someone told me at the clinic what these things were. Mm-hmm. It seems like roll paper with fine point. Uh, okay. And I forgot what the purpose of them. And I have no idea why did I have them, but they seems like do the job too. You just dab uh, that sharp point in a, you know, pigment and just rub onto the bands and, they turn, oh, wow. you know, you have this metal color, uh, and you can stop at that point if you're satisfied with a, you know, newer look. Right. But then you can take this AK Interactive track wash and go with that over the bands, and it oh. kind of creates this older-looking, um, you know, metal, um, rusted metal. Okay. Um, and then. That's pretty much it. Um, the other thing you could possibly do, and I used to do it, mm-hmm. um, if you want to have uh, some texture to that, I mean, rust texture, you could dab, uh, you know, some pigments on it, rust pigments. Right. Um, but but that's an optional. I usually don't do it. Right. And probably you don't want to do, I mean, do all this work with the metal and track wash. You probably want to do it right, right after the first one. You know, you apply first light rust wash and then just dab, you know, pigments. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, finicky work because it's those bands so narrow. And I'm not right. sure if you can see that texture that very well. At this yeah, scale. well, it's so, that small like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, O scale, I see the point, but, you know, 
for for HO, you probably, if you want to do this, do on something large metal piece, you right. know, like a vent or something, something like this, but not the barrel bands. Right. Yeah, barrel bands, I think, are one of the tougher things because as I'm going around, it seems like I, 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 th I think I'm going all the way around it and then getting it on and then i look and it looks like I kind of went off base a little bit or only off the edge of hair. And, oh, it's just, oh, I get so frustrated. And I go up and I touch it up. And then I get some back on the band. And then I got to go back in the band. It, it, it was it was becoming a pain in my butt. Um, but, see, but if you use the washes, the washes kind of blend a little bit those edges. Okay. Right? So mm -hmm. if you make a mistake, it's not so obvious after uh, okay. you use the wash. I got the washes, and I never even thought to use that. That's you a said good idea. To use the, is that the light rust wash? Yeah, light rust wash and a track wash. Okay, and I don't have track wash, but I do have the light rust wash. I'm gonna. Hey, we're getting a track wash, Brett. Yep. But um, I'm looking anyhow, for it. That's huge. That's a, so. What you're doing basically is with these barrels is you're doing what we've talked about many times on our show and other modelers have as well. Um, is doing that it's a layering process mm -hmm. like anything else yes yeah well that's great yeah now um but do we have any more questions uh I'm we sure have we do we have one and it's a it's kind of a question it's it's kind of just a a, a joke as well um mm -hmm. it's from lynn and he's saying that uh he's he's just saying do you uh do you drink a lot of? You must not be able to drink a lot of coffee or a ton of caffeine when you're painting those tiny little parts he was wondering if uh if uh, your focus or your shaky hands might get get affected by that, and I would be the same way. I know once I have too much coffee, uh, my dexterity is is affected a little bit. So, uh, yeah. well, uh, it's a funny story though. Um, one time, like um, I was building this paper uh, scale boat, mm -hmm. and it had a lot of tiny details. That's <laughs> probably like somewhere in the middle of 2000s or so mm -hmm. you know and yes that coffee really affects um how can you handle the parts so <laughs> i actually quit drinking coffee until the lunch break i mean until the after lunch break okay right so i would go to work work until lunch and during lunch break i would build this model then go make myself a cup of coffee and then drink coffee mm -hmm. because i could not do anything because my hands were so so shaky that I could not <laughs> handle. So you know, for this stuff, you know, I paint when I get home. So that's probably what five, six, seven hours after I had my last cup of coffee. So that doesn't <laughs> really affect me, you know, that much. Right. So I now don't when, see a big problem with it. Now when. When you're um, doing castings, let's get on the castings here, because that seems to be what a lot of people are asking. Now, on your general castings, it's, I'm sure it's a lot. I'm guessing it's a lot of the same process. You're putting it, you're taking it and putting the castings after you clean them up onto the tape, and and uh, taking them and spray painting them in a, a safe environment where you, you know, obviously you don't want to inhale spray paints. Um, but uh, and then you let them. One of the things I noticed uh, when I've done it, I've had more success with something you mentioned, and that is learning 
to be patient enough after you spray it to let it sit for a yes. whole 24 hours to cure that paint. Um, that, yeah. that's, that's been key for me. And it didn't used to be. It used to be an impatient thing for me where I would just spray it and then I look at it and I touch it with my fingertip real quick. Ah, oh, it's dry. And I start <laughs> to paint it, you know? Because yeah, I want to get it done. Well, but you can't. I'm, you I'm actually, you know, I still I still think like 24 hours is not enough. What they say, the casting is, I mean, pain is cured when you cannot smell it. Oh. Okay. That's the idea. That okay. probably should be a week or so at least. Yeah. Wow. Well, you yeah. know, Dave Ferry, Dave Ferry, in one of his books that I have, he mentions painting castings, and he said that he waits up to, I think he waits up to a week to before he touches them. And... Um, you know, so what you want would what you would want to do is get as many castings as you can and spray paint them all together uh, in whatever colors. Yeah. Put them in separate boxes or whatever. Take them out and spray them, and then um, and then of course uh, let them sit for a week. And then once they're done, you got them all done already. I do that with prizer figures too. I'll, I'll take them and I'll spray them. We I buy them in bulk unpainted, and I I bet I have six hundred of them. I just took all, when I got all 600 of them, I put them in boxes, set them up on the tape, and I just sprayed them all, you know? And uh, that way they're yeah. done, I, and then I stowed them away in little compartments, and then whenever I need one, I can just grab it and start painting it. But, um, yeah, I guess you have to let it cure. Now, with that said, that's a now that's something that I think you do with pretty much all your castings. Um, what? Let's just talk about, we did talk about barrels, uh, but in general, you know, can you give us some tips on how to do castings in a successful manner on a general casting, like, you know, fire hydrants and trash cans and, you know, your 55 gallon, drum, gallon drums, that type of thing. Um, well, know, I mean, uh, yeah, the basic thing is uh, after I spray paint them, I mean, that all go through the same, you know, process of cleaning up and you know spray painting um and i i used to differentiate take make you know spray oh i'm gonna spray these with you know black primer or you know go i mean 55 gallon drums let's say <laughs> and, uh, just gray primer wood yeah. is you know this rust-oleum khaki but then i started spraying everything with the same you know yeah. Rust-Oleum khaki. No yes. difference. It doesn't matter if it's going to be black. Uh, the only time I use white, if I want to make, you know, 555-gallon drums and make bands, like, you right. know, white with some red or something. Right. Or if I want them to paint yellow, mm -hmm. that's when I spray white because the yellow, if you spray with khaki, then you can put 10 coats over it. It's mm -hmm. still not going to be covered. <laughs> um, although it gets this weathered look if you don't completely cover. Right. So it's not too bad, but still you have to at least put three coats of yellow to get somewhere, you know. Uh, uh, that's something that looks like, you know, yellow 55-gallon drum. Otherwise, it kind of looks messy to begin with. Right. Um, so that's... You know, one time when I use white, um, and if I have stacks of things, 
with shadows inside, I still even if it's not wood, I would use uh, this gambling uh, pigment mm-hmm. and same dab, you know, rubbing alcohol just to get the shadows. I mean, you're not going to be able to paint everything, uh, get into this all these uh, nooks and crannies anyway right. with the paintbrush. Mm-hmm. So at least you can do is just give a shadow so it's, you know, you don't notice it, that there is, you know, you didn't paint all the way, you know. Right. So I do this. Um, I don't do this to single, you know, 55-gallon drums because, right. of, like, you can paint it all over, uh, you know, all the way. Sure. And after I do this, um, you know, if I want, well, I usually want, uh, you know, rust spots on uh, uh, 55-gallon drums. Um, I'll, I take this hot scrubber, right, the blue stuff, uh, Scotch-Brite, something like this, uh, peel the piece of it, you know, dab in the Vallejo rust paint, okay. and then just, you know, dab on the uh, 55-gallon drum yeah. um, to get those, you know, rust spots. Um, I tend not to use a sponge because sponge is kind of too uniform, I think. Right. Um, but, you know, dab those, and then for the most other castings, like the last step, uh, I usually take um, AK Interactive um Streaking grime, which I like the color of it. I don't uh, use it for streaking, although it can be used. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of dilute it a little bit and applies it, it as a wash. Right. Um, yeah, otherwise, it might, your, it might overpower your paint. Because, yeah, I mean, not. I mean, if you use it straight from the bottle, I mean, the the paint you put on probably going to be lost anyway yeah. i mean it's going to be all brown right um so when you dilute it you get this you know lighter wash and well i mean you possibly can make it yourself similar take some earth colors uh, you right. know raw umber mix it with i mean oil paint mix it with um, you know mineral spirits or something and do that I just happen to have this bottle of, you know, streaking grime that I like using, we, and yeah, I apply. My God, we love AK yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, I, I was one of the first people, actually, when they came out, starting using AK stuff. Oh, wow. Um, but I kind of, you know, uh, stopped following exactly what they're doing with new stuff. Yeah. So it's... I'm rediscovering a lot of their products and besides AK Interactive there is a you know someone I mean another company is Ammo by Mick Jimenez yeah I mean he used to he founded this AK Interactive someone else and then the latest split and you know Mick took the weathering magazine uh, with him and left the product for the the other guy, and then he started his own line of product, which basically pretty much one to one. I mean, besides all the diorama stuff, I don't think ammo has a diorama like asphalt or concrete or any of that stuff. But when it comes to washes and everything, they're just like you know, one to one. And I've noticed that uh, Mega also has these wall brushes, mm-hmm. or what are they called? 
kind of neat things. I don't have any of them yet, but uh, I want to try them because it seems like they would, you know, save me one step of going and washing my paintbrush after using, because that AKA stuff attacks those paintbrushes. They make a mess if you don't wash them. So, or don't wash them well. You know, so they, they do. They 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 do tend to attack all my paint brushes. I've been using some AK brushes lately. I bought a couple, and um, yeah. they seem to hold. They seem to hold up better. I don't know what the hell they do to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. uh, I might have to buy them too because yeah. you know the ones that I have. You know, well, I I've been using this one for a few months now, and but I wash it very well yeah. uh the other ones i would just you know wash with some mineral spirit and you know it would just kind of turn into a fan yeah kind of thing yeah so I mean, I, you know but this maybe, one is holding i thought maybe that my my brushes were fraying out from the actual mineral spirits themselves um i was wondering well, about that because be. I didn't know if maybe it was drying them out and it was just causing them to fray. Um, but I am also a big proponent of keeping my brushes as clean, and Brett can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am constantly cleaning my br- I bet I have 100 brushes here, and, and I'm, I'm always making sure that I'm cleaning them up. I use that um, the Masters Brush Cleaner and Preserver paste, and I uh, clean them up real good and reshape them. And, but... You know, and I think that's a that's a key is to keeping your brushes as nice as possible. Um, yeah, you're now, the opposite of me. What's so, that? I said you're definitely the opposite of me. I uh, yeah. I do clean them, but I uh, once they get to a certain point, I pitch them and I just go buy another pack, uh, another ten pack of brushes for like right. six bucks. But 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 Delis is right. I mean, you, you need to you need to make sure they're cleaned out. Yeah, and they're not right. Praying. Because if you're gonna try and paint a fine detail like he's doing, and you got a great oh, brush, oh, yeah, 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 it's all it's, no, it, I, it, you can't do it. It's I will all say, I will say, my finer brushes, I do buy a better brush for the finer, right. the finer point brushes. I always, mm-hmm. I keep those reserved for strictly detail parts or very thin lines that I need to put on things. Um, I, I don't do I don't use those for anything else except for details or very fine very fine painting. Right. Now now Vilos, when you're painting do you use any acrylics or craft paints when you're doing uh, when, Well for the most part these are just craft paints I'm using. Okay. Um I have some, I mean, I mean to go to store and, you know, stock up probably on Vallejo paints someday, but, you know, never make it. Or whenever (laughs) I go there, I stand in front of the paint stand and just cannot decide what I want. Solely without any paint. Yes. But uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, craft paints, you know, I have a stack of them. I don't have 200 as you do, bottles as you do, but uh, probably 100. Um, you know, so, and I really like some of them. I mean, I have this one red uh, that is kind of old and pretty, I mean, getting 
kind of all bad, I mean, dried up. Um, but, I mean, it has a lot of uh, pigment in it. So pretty much one coat covers everything. Yeah. And I don't want to switch to any Vallejo or anything for red. I just <laughs> love this paint. It's Isn't a funny how paint, you find certain ones. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, how I find a good one? I don't know. I just try them, and then if I yeah. like, and some certain colors I really like, mm -hmm. you know. So I don't want to change at this point, and you know, to Vallejo. Although after you weather, use that uh, streaking grime over it. Yeah. Probably any other red would look the same. Um, right. But you know, I have my likes, and you know, right. I like this sure. paint, and I'm using it. Um, I have a few bottles of Vallejo and I use them, you know, but I don't have the right colors. Yeah. Um, someone recommended which ones to buy and, you yeah. know, I, for example, I bought this green and it just, I cannot use it. I mean, it's deep <laughs> green, but I don't know. I don't like the color of that green. Right. So, you know, it's just there. Sure. Now, now when you're, it's funny how we all find certain paints from certain brands that work better than others and we 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 make them our favorites um you were mentioning earlier on priming yours uh with the um camouflage uh tacky by uh um, rust-oleum and um, yes. and i have two cans of that up here now i've used that many times and i've actually learned to use that I think from something you wrote it somewhere that I've read and that's when I started doing it and it was great it's it's I use it on most all my castings um, I when I was at the store I thought oh you know what I'm gonna be smart and I'm also gonna go buy the rust-oleum camouflage black because it's an ultra flat and I thought that'd be yeah. great I have nightmares <laughs> with the nozzles on the black cans it, they, I don't know what the hell they make the, the black out of. I never have a problem with the khaki. Khaki works through for me every time. But the black ones, I not, the not. Do you ever get the nozzles clogged up? Um, yeah, I get clogged up, but I have a bag of spare nozzles, <laughs> you know, that I use. And probably when you think of it, it's probably get is a better idea to get the spares from you know graffiti artist store mm -hmm. and use those instead of the original ones yeah if you get the right ones because i mean what you want is a wide pattern right. and reduced uh, pressure mm -hmm. um so this way you don't shoot a lot of paint over the castings and you know cover the details sure. Sure. But, uh, you know, I use the original one, and that clogs up, and I grab a, you know, spare one, put it on, yeah. then use that until <laughs> that clogs up, and yeah. then, you know, something oh like this, then, the, you know. Yeah, the black so, is the worst. It's the worst for me. And I already spray for a couple seconds in real quick short bursts. And uh, I try and do it short and far enough away so I can get a nice spray, like you were saying. But I don't want to overdo it. And but next thing I know, I got black paint dribbling down the can, down the <laughs> side of my hand. And yeah. I'm, now I'm pissed. And uh, <laughs> but it's, I think um, the black only works during the summer months when uh, it's warm. 
Um, I think in the winter it's too liquid or something. It doesn't dry on time. Um, you know, I used to spray, you know, wires and such, like, you know, make, uh, you know, those uh, lamp holders, uh-huh. you know, go and spray them with black since, well, I, you know, Sure. I do them in black. Right, um, me too. And then, you know, this black spray paint kind of just gets in these bubbles or, you know, and creates those wider areas, dries up, and you have this uh, bad-looking, you know, lamp holder. Yeah. So I kind of stopped doing that. I take spray with khaki and then just go and paint it. Yeah. Less hassle than using the black one, and I use just uh, black for you know tar paper. I spray it, you know, my tar paper with that black. Yeah. And it works great for that. Yeah. It covers very well. I've used it for tar paper as well, and 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 that's a. But now I'm just to the point where I won't even pick it up. I won't even pick up the black anymore. I just grab khaki. I'm using khaki. I do buy black, but. uh, I've been buying uh, the black made by, I'll have it right here actually, um, Valspar uh, makes a, nope. a black flat, it's called Color Radiance, and I've had good luck with that. I have a bunch uh, of that. Do you? Yeah. That's good stuff. I've had real good luck with that. Um, but the others, um, like I said, and I, 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 otherwise I love the camouflage uh, khaki color and the nice thing is it works well with anything especially wood objects because it already gives you a base wood and you know um, rusty rail castings I'm sure you've you've done a lot of rusty rail castings um, uh, I know that he has a lot of wood type cabinets and things like that uh, have you done rusty rail castings I actually haven't uh, oh okay uh, I <laughs> Probably once a month I get on his website and start putting stuff in my basket and and, <laughs> and that's like, you know, changing my mind. And I'm like, well, I want this and I want this and I want this. And then just put, you know, the basket grows and grows and then I have to throw out something, you know, and then end up like, ah, I'll do it next time. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. I, I've um, done that with many sites. Yep. You know, I mean, if you do like, uh, you know, something that has more wood, um, mm-hmm. bigger things like uh, barns, like he has the, some barns and little buildings, you sure. may want to, you know, get few other wood paints right. and paint individual boards with, sure, using those paints just mm-hmm. to get the variation. Um, you know, for the clinic, I, I did a Tichy um, outhouse. You know, I also did uh, those pellets, painted, you know, boards different color, but in the end, they just look pretty much the same. So, yeah, yeah. you know, probably it's not worth doing this for, you know, small things like pellets, but this outhouse I did. Right. I mean, you can see the difference board in uh, boards like you know so oh, yeah, uh, that's what you might want to do as well you know yeah. get some variation now when when uh, let's switch off of the uh, spray paint stuff but um yeah um, when you're doing I saw you had some uh, some of your castings you've done you've done some um, 
like benches that have like tools on them and such. Yeah. Um, it, now, do you hand you do you dry brush? Do you do any dry brushing when you're painting any of your castings? Along no. The lines? no. Well, the preparation is basically the same. You know, uh, I dry brush. You know, wood color. Do everything just like any other wood. And then um, I sometimes I just use, you know, make a with a little bit of water, make this acrylic wash, mm -hmm. and you know, use that on, you know, parts that's supposed to have a color. Right. Um, but the other thing you can do, like I have this long bench in front of me right now, I actually. I painted those red ones just straight from the bottle. Right. Um, and what I did, um, I used this, um, well, I wouldn't say pigment. It's uh, what is called uh, pastels, but they're uh, artist pastels. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's probably also one of their raw amber, um, Rembrandt, brand um i like one of the yeah the, good paints you know they have different raw amber uh what they would you call shades right um so i i picked just this one and it's i i love it i use it on the windows to make them look dirty so and i use that uh brush this all over um and it kind of tones down those details you know that the color is not popping out that much right yeah. Now, now when when uh, one of the more difficult things I find to paint, other than the barrels with the the board, the uh, the uh, uh, slat barrels, um, is like the clusters of junk and clusters of you know cluster things that have boxes and barrels and everything mixed together on them, um, and and then you're having to paint each one individually. And like you said, sometimes there's crevices and stuff that are down in between. Now I'm going to actually try the streaking grime, and we're going to we're going to work with that a little bit as well. But um, you know, what what any special tips for you know, castings that have like multiple multiple objects in them that are all kind of cast together? Yeah, it's um, always been. A, I know it's a tough thing for a lot of people. Well, it is a tough thing for me I, because I can't decide what it is. I mean, I look at <laughs> something sticking out, and I I don't know what it is, you know. So um, right. I try what I try doing is let's say um, you know paint some of them rust color, mm -hmm. paint some of them black. Right. Um, actually, uh, I mean, if you rub that um, pigment. Mm -hmm. um, metal pigment over those black ones. They, they, I mean, those black parts turn turn into nice metal, like newer metal looking right. parts. Um, then, you know, if I can say, okay, well, this is a can, so I give it some color to it. You know, go uh, pick one. Let's say, well, let's do it in some gray color, right. um, and so on. And then after all this, I, you know, I apply this grime, mm -hmm. you know, streaking grime, and kind of blends everything together. 
that's nice. So they did they're not sticking out that much, you know, and well, I mean, if you painted something in the wrong color, who cares at that point, you know? Yeah, it kind of blends it. This, blends it and gets the look of this junk pile and you yeah. know, it, it's good to me, I mean. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like I like that idea. That's uh, uh and I saw some of your castings where you, where you've had and I was like where you had a whole mess of objects like that together and I said, like, "Man, he did a really good job on this." And wonder how he does because mine always look my, when mine are done sometimes when they're in a bunch like that they look like a turd and then i gotta take them and, and wash them in the in the uh in the uh mineral spirit to clean them all up have you ever you ever had to totally strip them down and go i just can't deal with that and i gotta take it all off and start all over again um i've had to do that um, several times see i i don't really i usually do this um i just try blending everything together yeah. you know apply wash or you know this um you know pastel or something kind right. of you know tone it down so nothing sticks out too much right and it's all right i mean yeah. uh, you know i'm gonna works. try i'm gonna try that i got streaking grime i don't use it enough and i'm gonna try i'm gonna try using it on some of my castings here coming up um now, since we're talking about castings and they're similar, do you do uh, any figure painting, like prizer figures, or you know, do you do a lot of that as well? Or uh, I have several boxes of these unpainted um, figures, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I paint them um, time from time. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're tedious. I haven't done I a that. diorama in a while. I haven't done diorama in a while, so, uh -huh. you know, um, or at least with the figures, because that uh, Skinner's Row I did, the, the or uh, Chippy Hollow FSM right. kit, these were for the sponsors, so I didn't, didn't do any figures for him. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's been a while since I did something for me with the figures, mm -hmm. right. but yes, I paint them. Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, someone had a question asking about kid bashing the figures. Uh -huh. Well, I don't switch the heads per okay. se. I mean, what's the point of switching the heads or something yeah. like that? Yeah. But, but you can change the pose of that figure, you know, do something. And I use this uh, green, um, they call it dream putty, mm -hmm. but there's I think there's a green squadron putty, which is not the same thing. Okay. Uh, this is, comes in strips like yellow and blue, oh. and you cut the piece and mix together. Mm -hmm. It's like epoxy, I think. Um, and I use those to you know kind of make a little ball, and then let's say I'm gonna move the, I mean arm in a different position. So cut it off and then use a ball of this kind of you know put the hand where I want it position it let it dry then go and you know uh, carve this around so right. it looks smooth and nice and then I paint it so I sometimes I do this um, so you kind my, of sculpt, uh, you'll sculpt like an arm you'll sculpt like an arm into a different position well, I'll just cut off the arm and then use that putty just to put, move that arm and then, oh, okay. you know, 
you know, carve the missing part. Mm-hmm. I mean, which would be a gap if you just left like this, you know. Right. So this, it acts as this green putty acts as a filler, mm-hmm. you know, and then I just smooth it out so it looks kind of natural. Okay. Um, you know, so the guy has, a, for example, arm down. I want arm up, so I just raise his arm and then, you know, carve oh, around, sweet. make it fit look natural you know so you know sometimes i do that uh if i can't find you know figure that kind of fits my needs right right yeah so i do that well that's that's pretty cool because i I always wondered how people how people make the adjustments with the arms and legs and things like that to to and i'm I'm, sometimes i'm looking for the right type of figure through my box and i got like i said i got many of them and you're going ah i mean none of them and none of them are matching what i need him to do like reaching up or, and grabbing like a i don't know a la- on top of a ladder or something like that or, or washing a window or and, and i'm like wow i have nobody doing that you know there's nobody so how am i yeah. how am i gonna make that happen and you said that stuff is called green putty i think it's, uh, it's called green putty the last time i checked that's what i i found but uh okay. uh I also have. I, I have think a, there are some different. Yeah. I have a Tamiya putty, uh, made by. It's a basic type putty. It, it smells awful, um, <laughs> but I've, <laughs> I've used that. Um, so, I'm wondering if I. I wonder if that's similar. It's a modeling putty for plastic. I'm wondering if that's. A, uh, that's just one. I mean, you don't have to mix it, or do you have to mix it? So no, I don't have to mix you know. it. I can. It comes straight out of the tube. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if it, I mean, nice thing about that green putty is, is it is sticky. It's sticky and shaky. So if you, you know, you put the, until it cures. Yeah. Uh, so you stick the arm and it stays there. I mean, uh, with other putties, I don't know. I mean, yeah. if it holds, um, yeah, I mean, I've, you can use a wire, just drill a hole and, True. you know, attach that arm and use the putty around. Um, it may work. Um, yeah. I haven't done that, but no, I found that this green putty just you know it sticks. It's kind of you put yeah. it and forget until tomorrow, you know. Yeah. Now, who makes that green putty? You know? Oh, uh, I know. I I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, there's. If you look online, I'm pretty sure gonna find a lot of it. Right. I'll um, have to do that. I mean, those. People who uh, paint the figures and such—they just, I think, I mean, war gamers, oh, yeah. they use quite a bit of it. Sure. Uh, so, um, but what I found, I mean, like nowadays they sell them in 36-inch rolls, mm-hmm. usually, and that roll is pretty expensive in my opinion. Right. So I found on eBay someone cuts that stuff to smaller parts like six inches or so um and it's you know much more affordable because i mean if you are a gamer you might use all you know uh 36 inches right but for us it's you know it 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 still it goes bad i mean over the time it gets hard and you cannot use it so you you know six inches is plenty yeah Okay, cool. I'm gonna to have to look into that. That's for sure. 
and maybe we'll put a link up for it as well for if we can find it. Um, now, as far as when you're painting, if, if you're painting figures, when you're all done and you get, you know, their pants one color and their jer- shirts one color, and, you know, you get all their flesh on and their hair and all that jazz uh, when I'm painting them. And I've done a, I actually did a video on doing them one night uh, live. I'm going to actually produce a video on painting those. But now, when you paint them, do you, do you use anything to dull the dull them down to try and kind of take some of the brighter colors that are clothing down? Do you dry? Do you um, I don't use that much. I mean, I, I try using those duller colors to begin yeah. with. Sure, yeah, me you too. You know, um, I usually spray paint with a dull coat mm-hmm. um, just to take this sheen off. Sure. Because sure. some paints may produce it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty much it i mean yeah. i mean to learn to paint figures properly but you know never get around doing yeah, it and i don't know who teaches so. that and where do you learn that because now there's there's some there's some people on and we talked about this on the show before how about it Brett? yeah there's yeah. people on instagram that um that that's all they do and a lot of them are i would say in the far east area um, yeah. and you'll, you'll find that they're, they're, it's real popular there. There's some amazing, they'll make figure art where they'll have like a, a guy in mountain climbing gear climbing inside of an orange or something like that. And it's all over photos all over the internet on in Instagram. And, um, it's just some amazing stuff. And he's, that's all they do is they paint these prizer figures and, and they're just amazing. Um, the, the, but I don't know. I don't see anybody actually out there that has a good video that teaches how to do it. And I'd love to learn it because it it's it's truly its own art. With it, it's a niche within a niche of our hobby, you know, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, I mean, you can always look up, you know, <laughs> wargaming stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I yeah. mean, they probably have that. Um, the other thing is. Um, I bought this book recently um, from AK Interactive. They're just like for uh, Thanksgiving, they had this sale. Mm-hmm. And I bought the book, um, and it's, I uh, may mispronounce that, but Aptailing 502 and Mastering Oils book. Okay. And they say it's like for military vehicles, and they have a lot of information on, you know, washes and how to use oils and such. Mm-hmm. I believe in this one. They have also, you know, some figure painting, or maybe not this one. Then I, I don't want to lie exactly, but um, I saw another AK Interactive publication where they actually have a. You know, figures. Well, these were actually bigger figures, like you know, 135th scale or so, and how they use oil paints to, you know, create these face yeah. features and everything. It's a, I mean, possible. It is possible to use that, mm-hmm. and I might try sometime. You know, using oils to create whatever shadows or something that is needed to make those figures to look better. Um, I know there is a DVD. Um, I don't know if Scott Mason is still selling his DVDs, but there one was 
There was one with uh, Dave Ravella mm-hmm. on painting figures. Oh. But I suspect it might be on uh, painting larger scale figures. Right. right. Since Dave Ravella deals with the, uh, you know, um, you know, D scale or something like that. Sure. More. Um, but that's pretty much it. That's the only one DVD I, I know. There's that, a lot. There's you, a lot you know, we can learn from military milers out there. I mean, military miling is something I've gone to many times and looked at and read. I have the AK Interactive Dioramas FAQ built book or fact book, yeah. and um, and I love that book. I can go to it a million times and and read over it, and I still don't learn everything in it. And I had the book, but um, you know, not just that. Just going to some of their groups that are on Facebook and checking out a lot of the military modeling groups that are out there. Um, there's people on there that are always showing stuff and showing you how they do things and they're sharing techniques. And there's a lot as as modelers for us in, in model railroading uh, that we could actually learn uh, from from the military modelers. And I believe they take from us as well because we have a pretty good following of right. – uh, people that that are military modelers. Yeah, from time actually, to time we'll get emails yeah. from military modelers about certain things and different. There, there, there's just there, it's a whole art form that they have that um, could really lend itself to our modeling. And and you know obviously yeah, we talked about this too is you have to break down you know what they're using to HO scale. Even when you and I are talking tonight and Brett uses them as well, the AK Interactive Products. Um, we we've mentioned many times that yeah you can use them but you got to play with them first to think because they're designed mainly they're designed for military scale modeling and like 135th scale mm-hmm. and you want to be able to you know be able to find a, a way to make them work for you you got to play with it so but you know yeah. they're, they're they're truly some of them are truly fantastic some of them are some I have a couple here that I've used once, and I'm going not again. I'm not I'm not touching them again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you go, what the hell am I going to do with the jar now? You know, but but um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, you have to toy with it, and but yeah, definitely military modeling, um, books like that. Now you mentioned, I think was it you this week that I read somewhere on your post about uh, somebody posted up about where they can find. Um, the the old weathering modeling magazine was that yeah, you? Yeah, that was me. Yes. Yeah, that was me. Uh, I mean, you can buy some of them, but you know, you calculate the shipping from Spain and all that. <laughs> uh, it, it it comes to you know pretty good amount of money. Yeah, right. Um, but I found this you know pocketmags.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. You go there and you get uh, your electronic version oh, of the magazine, yeah. so you can read it on the computer, on the phone, or on oh, a yeah. tablet. And oh, it's that... like six bucks per issue. Oh my! And I mean, some of the you know the weathering magazine issues are not available at this right. moment in print. Um, they may reprint them, but they have it in the pocket. You know, but in the pocket mags, they have all the issues. Yeah. You know, oh, all yeah. 25 now or something like this. I'm gonna start you know, I used to sub- Yeah, I used to subscribe. I mean, when you get the subscription, mm-hmm. I used to be like 48 bucks for yeah. four issues, I think, and include. I mean, that included shipping. Right. So it 
I mean, was more economical, but I was always skeptical about, you know, uh, the magazine itself, because I thought, well, I mean, if you cover us, chipping, and then, let's say, mud in three issues, what else are you going to talk about? Right. So I did not continue my subscription, and when you look at the back issues, uh, for us as, uh, you know, railroad modelers, we probably should pick some of the issues, unless you want to just broaden your, you know, knowledge about something like Vietnam, for example. They have an entire issue on Vietnam, which... Well, I don't find it very useful. I mean, I'm not going to do a railroad in Vietnam or something like that. Right, right. Um, (laughs) So, you know, um, but, you know, it's just pick and choose some issues, but, you know, some Mm -hmm. of them are really good. Like the one I haven't picked up yet is uh, on um, wedding uh, die cast models. Mm -hmm. I think that would be very useful, you know, take all the vehicles and oh, know, yeah. weather them, you know, do something like this, even for detail painting. I mean, it doesn't have to be like, they can, let's say, the, uh, you know, the thrust on uh, drums right. technique, it wasn't something I found in the magazine, in this, the weathering magazine, but somebody did this, uh, you know, weathered the vehicle using this, um, hot scrubber um, and I thought well that's cool I can use it on the you know all drums so you know it works I mean you just pick a technique and use it not for the purpose that was in a you know magazine but you know for something else so yeah so I think those you know you know you can pick good magazines with a lot of information one of them I really like is on oils I really, I'm a big oil fan. Um, I don't, I mean, I use it, but very rarely, uh, you know, alcohol yeah. and ink wash. Right. It's something that I don't really like. Right. Um, and I always use, you know, oil wash right. um, whenever I can. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I picked that issue, you know, it explains. And I struggled for a while. What is wash? What is a filter? You know, right. so it's like, you know, I learned from the magazine, which is yes. one, uh, you know, wash and which is filter. And then, you know, streaking grime that I'm using, it's not really a wash if you, you know, it's more filter, but yeah. I mean, it's just detail. So you're learning, um, you're learning things from what you're reading and you're, you're finding, finding ways to apply them. To, to what you need them for. Like like I mentioned that yeah. Diorama's book that I bought, AK has the Diorama's fact book. And, um, yeah, there's some stuff in there that I'm never going to make. A, uh, I am going to, by the way, model a tank, Brett. I keep saying that. Oh, yeah. I am going to do one of them. But there was a battleship in there. And I don't do battleships, but they did a wood decking on a, on a World War II battleship, or it might have been a World War One battleship, actually. It had a wood decking on it. And, um, and I thought, wow, that looks awesome. And I was doing a Seaport Model Works, uh, one of Bruce Nickerson's, um, uh, I guess it was a, what the heck was that? That was a sardine boat that he had. And, and uh, it had a wood deck. And I went and dug that book out, and I read through on how they did it. Now, it's different scale. 
it's a different size boat. But I got the same, I, and the wood planking came out amazing. I used that old and weathered wood kit that AK has. Uh, they're, they're, yeah. And of course, they're acrylic paints, but you, you know, you put different colors and layers and layers over them until you get the shades that you want. And, you know, you know, and, but it's smaller scale. So I had to toy with it a little bit. So I got what I want and it turned out fantastic. I would never have been able to achieve it without reading it somewhere first like that from the military modeling books. Um, they're, they're outstanding. Yeah. You just got to figure out how to apply it to what you're right. working with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we covered a lot well, of ground tonight. Real yeah, quick, we, we're going to yeah. rattle off. I got a couple more questions. We're going to rattle them off. We're going to do a rapid-fire session. You ready? Oh, cool. Let's do that, yeah. All right. Are you ready for it? We'll, and then we'll wrap up with this last few minutes yeah, we here. Keep, with... We don't want to do this up all night. No, 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 no. I got I, mean, I got to wake up for work in the morning. So yeah. um, real quick, we had one patron who specifically asked us about doing some detail uh, videos, Scott Perry. Um, and he fired in here okay. right at the end. So we're going to do some questions for Scott. Um, okay. So okay. real quick, if you want to rattle off how you do this, he was wondering um, a few things here. One, how do you hold these casts while you're painting? What do you use to hold them? Uh, well, I have these uh, wood dowels that I stick those castings on. Okay. Or I have this, um, so it's called pick and stick. Um, it's by pulp dent. Um, some kind of wax or something that can you can stick detail parts onto it and hold them. Uh, it's a stick, but it's wax on the end. Yeah. So um, Micromark sells them. Um, okay. You know, I found on Amazon at some point, but I think Micromark sells them cheaper than Amazon at this point. Okay. Uh, but that's what I use. Okay. Cool. Um, Scott was asking, and I, you did cover this briefly earlier. Um, how do you um, how do you crank out large quantities quantities at one time? And you did quickly talk about how you got faster at it. But do you have a one quick tip on how to do uh, a bunch of small detail parts quickly? Uh, well, nothing is quick with me. <laughs> well, actually. obviously. Uh, I I really don't want to do uh you know. Um, half of the job. I mean, right. well, I don't want to use the word half a job. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I spend some time on them. I mean, the quickest way is probably you know you shoot with this um, from a can, then um, do uh, you know pigment with this rubbing alcohol, mm -hmm. and then dry brush them, and then at this point they're kind of neutral you know color of some sort earth color right and you probably can leave them like this if you're not interested if they're in somewhere in the background in the pile of some sort i mean why not right uh, but then if they're from foreground they have to put a little bit more work into it right um okay yeah sure. all right now this is actually something i didn't even think about bringing up until scott asked this and this will be the last one for the night but um, how do you repair or correct damaged or poorly molded castings? I'm sure the we've all had them where we get a casting where there's an error or a, something's wrong with it. Um, what do you do to try to fix it if you ever uh, have? 
Well, I sometimes I get these really, you know, bad castings. So I use a file, and now I'm trying this new trick with the file. I mean, the older ones, uh, for some castings, are they're soft, mm-hmm. and, you know, the file gets filled with this metal and mm-hmm. doesn't file anymore. Um, yeah, it gets clogged. A, you can probably, yeah, it gets clogged. So you probably use, uh, you can use a chalk, run the, your file over the chalk first, and then, you know, file your detail castings. Oh, yeah. Um, it doesn't clog that much. Um, then, well, I mean, that's probably the only thing. You, you can just file off. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if it's, and then I use a Dremel tool as well. I mean, with this, I have a set of burrs sure. to get into places, um, you know. But if it's wood, then you probably want to give some kind of texture. So um, I use an X-Acto knife and kind of you kind of etch it make in, make a cut, etch it in like wood, you know, wood grain or something okay. like that, right, or right. use edge of a file as well. You run the edge of it and it kind of etches in a little bit. So yeah. uh, you repair it like that. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. I've yeah. even had air bubble holes in some of like the plastic castings. Oh yeah. And, uh, or resin castings. And I've taken but, uh, a putty and filled in with them and then smoothed them over real good. And just, you know, you know of course when yeah. you primer them, they, Hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. We're here. So that's it? We have any more questions? No, that wraps up our questions. Uh, and I wanted to thank you for okay. answering those here at the last minute for us. Yeah, yeah. We we appreciate you having on, on the show. Um, we, we're going to have to, next time we have you on, uh, maybe we'll talk about some of your structure builds a little more and get into that. I mean, that's something that we were really big into, and you are as well. Um, what before we go? What what part of the hobby do you like building or doing the most when you build anything? I mean, is it structures? Um, is it trains themselves or? Well, I don't. I just do pretty much structures and dioramas. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, we built this house with the idea that it was gonna have some kind of layout here. <laughs> Uh, but so far, I don't have anything going on. Um, so I just build structures and dioramas and things like that. So, I mean, I like structures. I mean, that's yeah. my, you know, favorite that's, part. That's uh, I mean, I do scenery and, you know, yeah. well, I built my own, uh, what's that called? The static grass applicator. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And I really love static grass. Um, you know, that foam doesn't really work for me much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it grass to be grass, right. you know, uh, so I use that, um, you know, scenery is like landscaping is just kind of random landscaping more like it because you have to think like a mother nature, you know, you don't create the patterns. You just right. you know, have to sure. go random kind of, Yeah. but it's fun too. I mean, uh, that's cool. So well, you know, like the whole diorama stuff is everything in diorama. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, and that's what we—that's what Brett and I are about, and I know many of our listeners are as well. 
Um, it, it, you know, we we have a lot of trained guys too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, we're we're not overly we're not big trained guys ourselves. We we like them. They're they're there. They run or operate. But but for us, it's uh it's it's the scenery and the structures, mm-hmm. mainly the structures. We yeah. love structures. And uh, but next time we have you on, I want to and I do want to have you on again because you know you got some great tips and great mm-hmm. ideas. And um, we'll, we'll I think we'll cover a little more on the structure side of things and, and uh, you know, get your feel for some of the tips and ideas you have on that since you've built some pretty magnificent ones. And, uh, but yeah, that's great. I had a good time. I know mm-hmm. when we record next time, we're going to do it on, yep. on a Saturday. So that way you, we can have some beers. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. And, and we'll get into that yeah. again. We'll talk a little bit more on that, but, but we thank you again for uh, being All on the right. show. And um, yes, we, thank you very glad, much. We're glad you took your time well, to see. Well, thanks for having me. All right, that was an awesome episode with Vilas. I hope you guys enjoyed that content on painting, some detail parts, and a little bit of modeling techniques in there. Um, that was an awesome show. I felt like we could have gone on for a long time, and that just means we're gonna have to get him on for another show. Uh, this just means more episodes with Vilas in the future. We also want to hit our jokes of the week we put the shout out to you guys to do some jokes of the week and uh this week we have a couple jokes uh we will get into them right now here we go if you want to call and leave a question or uh like a joke for the show a model railroading joke obviously you can head on over to 717 you can call i'm sorry 717-601-2348 and leave your voicemail for us we will play it back on the show again that's 717 717- Hey, Evie. That was uh, my daughter. Uh, Head on over to 717-CALL, 717-601-2348, and you can get your voice on the show. All right, Evie, that's enough. She's grabbing all the stuff on the table. Let's jump into our phone calls. Okay, what's the difference between a school teacher and a steam locomotive? The school teacher tells you to spit your gum out while the locomotive says, choo, choo, choo. So, why can't the engineer be electrocuted? Because he's not a conductor. It's in the early morning of the hour, and a patrol car with two officers spots this man pulling a long chain up a hill. So, they approach the man, and they ask him, what do you think you're doing? The guy said, you ever try to push one of these up a hill? Okay, this one is for Brett. One day, Mom was out, and Brett was in charge of the little girl. The little girl was maybe two and a half years old and had just recovered from an accident. Someone had given the little girl a tea set as a get-well gift, and it was one of her favorite toys. Brett was in the living room, engrossed in model trains and working on his latest uh, structure, when the little girl brought Brett a little cup of tea, which was just water. After several cups of teas and lots of praise for such yummy tea, Mom comes home. Brett made her wait in the living room to watch the little girl bring in a cup of tea because it was just the cutest thing. Mom waited, and sure enough, the little girl walked down the hall with a cup of tea for Daddy, Brett, and she watched him drink it up. Then Mom says, as only a mother would, did it ever occur to you the only place that your daughter can reach to get water is the toilet? Um, hey, well, we're going to wrap this one up. You guys know the deal. You can email us anytime you want at podcast at hoscalecustoms.com. You can hit us on our website at hoscalecustoms.com. 
Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Hit that like button if you haven't already. That way you can get all of our updates and our live videos. Um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, you name it. We're all over the place. Um, you can also make sure you never miss any of our new blog posts that we're putting out or new videos by subscribing to our email newsletter. That's on our website as well. So, hey, we're calling it a night. If you like this episode, make sure you give us a good review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're listening to us to on and uh, we're calling it a night. So that's it. Have an awesome one, Fine Scale Freaks. Later. Bye. <laughs>